Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we offer resources to equip you and stories to inspire you on your adoption journey. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Hey friends, welcome to episode 221 of the Adoption Connection Podcast. We're really happy that you're here. We've been looking forward to doing this episode. You know, last, I think it was December, we did an episode where we just talked about what we learned in 2022 and some reflections. And we enjoyed that so much. And we got a ton of feedback from from all of you saying that you really enjoyed it too. And we thought, oh, maybe it'd be fun to do that twice a year. So this is our mid-year reflections on 2023. We're looking back at the winter and the spring. And I just came up with a few questions Melissa and I are going to chat about, and we hope that they might be questions that you would want to talk about with your friends or your partner and just reflect on the first half of this year like we are today. What do you think, Melissa? Let's do it. Okay. All right. So I'll I'll share the first question with you, and you can start reflecting first, and we'll just go from there. So here we are, halfway through 2023. Share something that you discovered in the first half of this year. Hmm. Well, I literally had to get out my like five-year journal and flip through it because I just don't think backwards. That's a good Very idea. Well. I should have done that. I should have done I know. That. I know. I mean, I think there's some carryovers from the end of last year. We had another big family loss in January. My mom's brother passed away pretty suddenly. We came up on the anniversary of my dad's passing this spring. So it was kind of this like accumulation of grief and like finishing a year of grief in the firsts. And I I think one of the things that we're discovering about this is how well little kids intuitively know how to grieve. One of the first things that made me really emotional thinking about my dad's passing was thinking about his relationship with Ava, our granddaughter, who was just three when he passed. I was thinking like, man, she loves him, like spending time with him so much now. And the crazy thing is, is because she's only three, you know, when she's an adult, she's not even going to remember him. Like everyone else will remember him, but like, she'll remember us talking about him and she'll be able to see pictures, but will she really like actually remember him? And what's crazy is, is she's the one who talks about him the most. And Mia and I were just actually talking about this last night. Like, do we think she actually remembers him or does she talk about him so much that she, now she remembers about him because she remembers talking about him mm-hmm. and But we recently had a tent set up in our backyard for like our Mother's Day, May birthday gathering. And she saw it and she said, oh, who's getting married? Well, our son, for those of you who followed this crazy story of our lives, our son got married in our backyard two days after my dad died. And it was like the whole thing. It's like, they turned our house into a wedding venue. And like, we had one of those like massive tents that you rent and this big, whatever. And so she like, that was a memory she had. She remembered John's wedding from a year ago. 
And so it makes me think that she really does like have actual memories of my dad. And she has the sweetest way of like just talking about him, blurting things out, talking about how she wished it was different. The other day she had us all in tears because she asked my mom or she was praying out loud like spontaneously in the car with my mom and asked if God okay, would that send right there is so sweet. I know, isn't it? Well, she, her and my mom spend a, t- a ton of time together in the car because she's in my mom's preschool class. And my mom drives her a half an hour back and forth to preschool three times a week. So they get a lot of like interesting car conversations <laughs> together. And she asked, she prayed out loud if God would send the right vitamin and band-aid to make him come back oh wow i know and she gets up every morning and tells kayla how much she misses him and how she wishes he would come back so i think we're just discovering a lot about what it looks like to grieve without like any cultural like she doesn't you know she doesn't have any of this like cultural expectations or like she doesn't have any of the shame or like is this the right way to do this she just does it and i also think she's like in the independent stance if you're an enneagram person you know, she just kind of does life the way she wants to do life anyway. So yeah, it's been really sweet to just kind of watch her do that with no, yeah, without really caring what I've, what anyone else thinks. Mm, I like that. That's really, really sweet. It's amazing when we have a little more capacity to really observe and enjoy the children, you know, we're, life is not so challenging for either of us now, like it used to be that we can actually kind of take it in and observe, observe them. And just, it's, it's incredible to watch their development, you know? Well, I know. And she's not ultimately my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I know so much more about the nervous system. And so it changes yes. like how it makes me wonder, not that I have any desire to start over and do this again, but like, there's always this piece of like, well, she's my grandkid. So it's probably totally different anyway. But part of me wonders, you know, because she is living here and we're, you know, helping to raise her. If so much of how I see her behaviors differently is just from what we've learned about the nervous system. Like, I just Mm -hmm. don't see her behaviors in the same way that I viewed our kids' behaviors when they were toddlers. And so because I view them differently, I respond differently and she responds differently. And it's just, it's a fascinating kind of thing to observe, to watch. And I'm glad I have enough space and wherewithal to kind of watch that all go down. Yeah. Similarly, you know, I have two granddaughters now and I have way more capacity to just sort of enjoy and watch them developing and growing And the thing I see so clearly is the beauty of secure attachment. Like it's unbelievable when you've parented children who experience trauma and adversity and so much hardship and secure attachment is, is not easy to develop. And of course, you know, we're always working toward that, but um, to see these little girls who both have been born to very emotionally available, healthy parents who know how to meet their needs and have the capacity. They have the support from each other and the knowledge to meet the needs over and over again. And just the security these little girls both experience, especially my my granddaughter, who's a little older, who's now getting mobile and 
you know, she just, I watch her and she adventures out and she looks back at her parents, checks in. Yes, they're still there. Okay. She adventures a little more. And then she thinks, I think I need to go check back in. You can see her like crawl back to mom and dad, get a little snuggle, get, you know, and then she goes off again and she completely expects them both to be present and to meet her needs. She never, she never expects her needs not to be met because they have been met over and over. And I just, I watch that. It is both really beautiful and also really makes me think about the kids who don't have that and how differently they develop. And, you know, this whole idea like, well, at least you adopted your child before they turned a year old. I think, oh, my word. Do we know? Can we even let ourselves think about what happens in an entire year of a child's life? That first year of life is so important, so formative, and it's not—it's just not a quick thing that is over and done. And okay, well now they're one, and they're your child, and take it from there, and it's all going to be easy breezy because they're only a year old. And wow, I just—I just see how important. I mean, I always knew it, obviously, with all my kids, but I really see it now because I can step back and I have a different perspective than I had before. So, yeah, it's it's, okay. And can we both just say being grandmothers is pretty fantastic? Yeah, I like it. It's a little complicated (laughs) on our side, but I still I'll still take it. (laughs) And you're a super young grandma. And I definitely became a grandma much older than I thought I would. I thought I'd be a young grandma and that didn't really happen. But it's all good. It's all okay. I was very much in the thick of being a mom forever. So it's all good. You still are. <laughs> I am still, yes, but it's different. I don't have little ones anymore. Yeah. So what I kind of, your answer was kind of tangential to mine. Do you have anything else that you have discovered this year? Is your adoption journey turning out differently than you imagined? You had so much love to give, but now you feel ashamed and bewildered by your lack of compassion. You may be experiencing blocked care, a self-protective mechanism in your nervous system that makes it difficult to connect with your child and maintain compassion. When this happens, it's like your heart seems to have left the relationship. But the good news is you are not a bad parent. You can heal from blocked care and compassion can be rekindled in your heart. This episode is sponsored by our book, Reclaim Compassion, the Adoptive Parent's Guide to Overcoming Blocked Care with Neuroscience and Faith. This practical and powerful guide offers a simple step-by-step process for reclaiming compassion for your child and yourself. Included in the book is a blocked care assessment, which is now free to you, our listeners. You can take the assessment at reclaimcompassion.com slash assessment. Yeah, I think I discovered, I think after so much hardship for our family with losses and challenges, it's been really beautiful to see that sometimes really good things happen, even even when our initial response is to be scared, you know, in the fall, our little granddaughter, and I probably mentioned this in our reflections one in December, but our little granddaughter was born with some severe heart defects. And, you know, it because we have lost a child, because we've experienced really hard things, it was, I was 
hopeful and prayerful, but there was definitely a part of me that was like, oh no, 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 no. We can't go down a terrible, terrible road. We can't lose this baby girl, like kind of thing. And to just watch her have incredible medical care and to come through to the point, and I don't want to overshare her medical story because it's her history and, you know, the internet lives forever, but to just see her body heal with a lot of help and see her thriving, it kind of blows my mind. Like the goodness of God and the incredible medical technology and skill and knowledge that is available now. And to just think like, she's going to grow up a pretty healthy, I mean, she won't be like other kids necessarily, but she's going to be fine-ish. I don't know how to say more than that, but it kind of blows my mind. And just to see God answer our prayers, like, I think there's a part of me that's wired to say, yeah, the Lord's going to answer my prayers, but maybe not in the way I hope. And to see it happen is just, it's really beautiful. So I guess I discovered that sometimes God just answers our prayers in the very way we hope. And sometimes things that appear to be really hard and scary, we actually do come through them and it's good. So that's probably one thing I discovered in the first half of the year. Yeah, it's a good one. So what is something that's on your mind right now? So we kind of did our reflection. Now we're moving into the present. Oh boy. There are a lot of things on my mind right now. Like literally on my desk is my passport and that I need to get renewed, but that's a, that's a small thing. Actually, I have this whole little stack of things here to remind me of all the things I need to do. I have a measuring tape. I have my passport. I have an empty prescription bottle that I need to fill. I've got all these little things gathered here to remind me, but it's like a living really- 3d to-do list. <laughs> it is. I have the, the to-do list too, but I just keep setting things there. Like, okay, I got to take care of this today. And if I see it right here, Something on my mind right now. Well, the semester ended for my husband. He's a professor and it ended and he just took an incredible trip with his mom and his sister, which is pretty unbelievable. And I'm so happy for them that they got to do that. But he's coming home and our kids are wrapping up school two weeks from tomorrow. And so probably what's on my mind right now is... This this will come out in June, but we're recording it right before Memorial Day. And so what's on my mind is this transition into summer. And what is that going to look like? And what is it going to feel like? And one of my sons has his job locked in for the summer. The other has a job probably locked in, but it'll, you know, I don't know what the schedule is going to look like. And we've got sports and we've got all these different things. And so I'm thinking, what is the summer going to look like? And we In 2020, we had this crazy opportunity to buy this little cabin on a lake in North Idaho, and nobody's been there yet, and we need to open that, and I'm thinking a lot about that. Like, what is it going to look like? No one's been there this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. This summer, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not like you sat on it for three years. (laughs) No, no, no. no. Honestly, last summer, I hardly went at all, and when I went, I mostly went to paint and work on it and stuff. So anyhow, I just think there are a lot of changes coming. My daughter that's been living in South America on a Fulbright scholarship the last two years, they're coming back, and yeah, I think what's on my mind is what is summer going to look like for our family and for Russ and me and hopefully getting some time 
together. Yeah, I think that's it. How about you? That's it. That's mind right now. Do you have, do, I mean, I have other heavy things on my mind, but that's like at the very top of my mind. How about you, Melissa? I think personally, we're really starting to ramp up for our summer road trip. Yeah. So Patrick and Ty and I are going to live on the road for about six weeks this summer. So the end of June to the middle of August. And we're going to camp, car camp. Well, Ty's going to tent camp. Patrick and I are trying to car camp. And he went camping with Ty and a couple of friends of ours this past weekend and kind of dry ran some things and came home with a lot of thoughts and some things we're going to have to problem solve and think through. And so that's kind of the thing that's running, even when I'm not actively thinking about it, I think that's like Mm -hmm. running, like taking up a good part of my mental space, you know, (laughs) even subconsciously. You need to go to your task manager and turn some things off. Like in your, I know. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Well, and the, the thing that's adding, I think in my, what's weighing heavily on my mind is where that intersects with work for us. So the first part of our trip is actually to drive to a speaking engagement that I have in St. Louis, and then we'll continue on from there. But like mid trip, I have to come back to, we're going to, I'm going to fly back to Kansas city to meet you, to Mm -hmm. speak at NACAC. And um, so it's also this idea of like packing light for like a lot of hiking and outdoor stuff, but then also have being able to like have like four or five days of business casual clothes lined up, you know, and all the table supply, like things that we'll need for the Mm-hmm. two events. And so from a work perspective, we're working on a new curriculum version of our book. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like running through my mind a lot. We've both been really distracted by Instagram reels and like how to make them and how to <laughs> make them useful in our business. So if you guys don't follow us on Instagram, there's some interesting things that <laughs> going on over there so you can find us at posted option resources so i'm like thinking a lot about social media lately which i have this like love hate relationship like oh, part of too. me is like well if i could just be an instagram influencer quote unquote just like if that was my job to like sit on instagram all day and like dream up new fun reels and like think of new like catchy little tidbits that we wanted to communicate to you guys i could get lost in that forever but as it turns out, our company is just a tad more than that. And so there's other things to, you know, keep on top of and all of that stuff. So yeah, yeah, I know. I'm thinking about the curriculum a lot because I'm trying to knock some of that out. We had a really good meeting yesterday and we got a bunch of work done on it, but I'm definitely, that's definitely on my mind too. We're excited about that. And just just so you know, when it comes, it's going to be a curriculum for groups and there'll be a facilitator guide and participant guides. We are making it a non-faith-based curriculum specifically so that organizations um, can use it that serve a broader community and or organizations that are government funded. So it can be used by everybody to help uh, parents overcome Black care. So we're excited about that. Yeah, we actually are also trying to make it accessible to non-adoptive families. We've had a lot of questions about, can this happen in non-adoptive families? And of course it can. Mm -hmm. Uh, We obviously, our main audience 
if you're listening and you're an adoptive family is you, uh, mm-hmm. but we recognize that there's space to expand this and no one else is really doing it. So the curriculum will have kind of a, a broader scope than the book does. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we're excited about being able to take that to some places this summer, like the National Council for Adoption and NACAC, which is the North American Council on Adoptable Children. And yeah, I mean, it's just been a wild ride this year. I mean, with Mm -hmm. the book coming out and yeah. So all of that's kind of always also floating around in my mind. (laughs) Yeah. When we decided to do this, if you're listening, you know, we finished the book. And we started talking about this curriculum and I was like, no, I don't want to write another book. But I didn't have to start from scratch with this because we had our whole book already written. So we had a lot of the content already done. But yeah, I wasn't sure if I was quite up for it. But I'm if we come up with another project after this that involves writing, someone might have to like smack both of us. And (laughs) let's take a little (laughs) time off. Yeah. (laughs) Let's take a little time off from that. That's good. Probably one other thing I mentioned that's on my mind right now is I just had this kind of a little a little bit of a health scare if you've ever heard of Bell's palsy. I had this thing where I got some little bit of temporary paralysis in my face. And because of my medical history and some autoimmune disorder stuff I have, people were very alarmed and I had to do all this screening for a stroke and everything because I have a blood disorder. And I will tell you that it immediately took me back years to when I went through a season of, of a long time where I was very, very sick. And Melissa knows, cause I was a little freaked out. Like I can't do it again. I can't go back to being sick like that. I just, I mean, there were so many years where I was the person who needed all the help because I was so sick and I had surgeries and treatments and all these things. And I'm really, really thankful to say that it turns out that it is not going to become a major thing as far as I know, but I'm reminded of how these memories are held in our bodies and the fear I felt. And yeah, it was a little bit of a faith, little faith journey for me, especially because Russ was out of town too, which didn't really help. I was kind of going through it a little bit on my own. And so that's been a little bit on my mind. Like what would, I don't want to overdwell on what it would have been like had this turned into a big thing, but I'm also contemplating how that felt. I don't have any big answers, just it's definitely been on my mind a lot. Yeah, I think it's also a testament because most of the advice you got, even when they didn't know exactly what it was, was like, you should like lie low and like decrease the stress in your life. (laughs) Yeah, the emergency room physician said, you know, this is very related to stress. You really need to just cut all stress right now. And I didn't laugh in his face, but I was thinking, yeah, I don't know. But I really, I have had to cut things way back for almost three weeks while I was dealing with this. Cause I really did actually feel quite sick as well, but yeah. Cutting all the stress like, okay, well, yeah. Well, I think it's just a reminder that the life that we all live, which includes having to take care of ourselves and then also other kids with yeah a lot of needs yeah. and whose behaviors stress us out and we can't control that. It's just this reminder of, If you feel like your body is also falling apart (laughs) and along with everything else, there's a reason for that. You're not crazy if you feel like this life is taking a toll on your body. Because I think, you know, I'm positive it is. 
<laughs> yes, yes. I and I know it really, really has. So yeah, this is a little bit I you know, Russ was out of the country and I was messaging him and saying, Okay, okay, it is time for us to stop and take a serious look at our life and our health. And how we're going to take care of ourselves, because if we keep running at the pace we're running, like, I really don't want to have a stroke. I don't want I don't want my autoimmune disorder to come back in a serious, serious way. I mean, I deal with it at a low level a lot. And there are some, you know, we can't control illness always, but I at least should do what I can, right? We should at least do what we can to take good care. Give yourself a fighting chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I keep thinking. Okay, we are two years away from our youngest graduating for high school. There is no way I want my body falling apart now because I want to really enjoy some time. There's so many things that Russ and I want to do and travel. And, you know, our most of our friends have had their kids grown and out of their out of home for a long time. And we've been at this. By the time he graduates, we will have kids in our home that we've been parenting for. 38 years. And we're really looking forward to some time where we aren't in that intense parenting. So got to keep my body healthy to the best of my ability. Yeah. So that was a lot of what's been on my mind. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's a lot on our minds all the time, I think. All right, Melissa, last question. What is one thing you want to learn this summer? Hmm. Well, I think I'm going to learn a whole lot about <laughs> yeah, <you are>. car camping <laughs> and fly fishing and fly fishing. Yeah. I I think I'm going to do some like watercolor stuff. Nice. I don't know. I'm my spiritual director has been like challenging me to think about like what I want out of this trip. I probably will do some fishing, but honestly, like I would be just as happy reading a book or mm-hmm. taking in nature in some other way. We'll probably do a lot of hiking. I think what's interesting about something like this too is kind of planning ar- like around it, you know, like planning doctor's appointments around, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. one of our kids needs wisdom teeth taken out. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to try to squeeze that in before we leave, but you know, that means mm-hmm. can it wait like until August, you know, mm-hmm. mid August and some things that we have taken for granted that happened over the summers that like a garden, we didn't do a garden last year cause we were trying to like reset our land. But then this year, you know, no one wants to be around to really take care of it. So we'll probably yeah. forego that. And yeah, but I think the other thing to kind of circle back around is just learning how to slow down. Like I don't, part of me is like afraid of this trip cause I don't know like how I'm going to react to the slowness that I've built into it. Like we've mm-hmm. planned things in the business to be lighter so that neither of us have to do as much as we normally do in the day to day. And so that what I need to do can be done, you know, from my phone's Wi-Fi connection on a laptop, working from the back of a car and, you know, those types mm-hmm. of things. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think we're just going to, I'm, and I'm sure Patrick and Ty and I are going to learn a lot about each other. I mean, it's not like we don't, you know, live together. We're not together a lot, but I think there's something about camping together for six weeks that will probably reveal a lot more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Well, you know, oh, like decades ago, I remember reading a book by Gary Smalley, and he talked about how camping is good for families because you go, you grow close in adversity. So there you go. And those were not his words at all. And I am pretty sure I read it in a book that he wrote, but it was so many years ago that I don't remember for sure. But I just remember something sticking in my mind about that, that camping draws you closer because of adversity. Well, it's funny that you mentioned, it's funny (laughs) you mentioned that because most of our camping trips pre-adoption were like really fun. That's how we just kind of vacations, how we made it affordable. We have lots of good story. And I like love a good experience story to tell. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. camping has produced lots of stories that we can tell over and over again. What's interesting is our son has really taken up camping as their family's form of vacationing as well. And what's interesting Mm -hmm. is we only really camped two or three times after our kids from Ethiopia came home. And both of those, the two times that I know that we camped, there were significant adversity. So it's interesting to me how he took that away as something he wanted to institute in his family, like that he must have remembered the good times or it felt, or the memories, you know, memories a funny thing. So like the memories almost 10 years later are different in such a way that he feels like it was a connecting time. And that's something that he wants to continue on because I think, man, if those had been my only two camping experiences, I don't know if I would be. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, that's neat. That's really, really good. I'm excited for your trip. I'm looking forward to, it's too bad you're not going to come just a tiny bit further west to where I live, but you never know. I know. I know. Well, we have it all, we have it all mapped out on this app slash website called Wanderlog. We'll put a link to the show notes. It's like not an affiliate link. We've planned two trips on it so far. And it's just, I'm such a visual person and to have everything in one place. It is so helpful. So yeah, we're, we're pretty much fully planned. I don't think we're coming as far west as you, but you know, at least we'll be on similar time zones for just a couple of weeks. Well, that will be a miracle. I was, for those of you listening, I was telling Melissa the other day, I feel like, you know, she's on the East Coast and I'm Pacific time. And so I wake up in the morning and get my kids out the door to school and I'm already behind. At the beginning of the day, I'm already behind because Melissa's been up and she's done all this work and I'm like all day trying to catch up on things. But it's just a funny, funny thing about living on opposite sides of the country. Yeah. So, yes, that'll be nice. So what what are you learning or what would you like to learn this summer? I'm learning so much. I'm actually reading a lot more about the nervous system and really wanting to have a deeper understanding of the nervous system. And I know we've been talking about it a lot because obviously we wrote our book and it includes you know, neuroscience and things about the nervous system. But I was, some of it was still pretty new to me in the last couple of years. And now I feel like I've set some other things aside that I've been learning in order to dive a little bit deeper and things are falling into place. I'm understanding more and more and more and really interested in that. We just had a conversation about that earlier today before we recorded. It's Um, validating when you're like, yeah, it all makes sense. I get why you're so, you're always talking about the nervous system now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. It, it's been interesting because I, the one book I would recommend to people, we can drop this in the show notes, is a book called Anchored by Deb Dana. It is a fantastic book if you want to learn more about the nervous system. And I just, 
I like the way she writes and I'm, I'm really enjoying it a lot. So I'd encourage anybody who wants to learn more that that's a great, a great sort of early book to read. I'm reading it kind of in a funny order because it would have been great to read it before I learned all the things I learned, but it's helping things to make even more sense to me. So I like that. Yeah. And it's really gentle. It's not like a super science you read. No, it's really gentle. And she provides all kinds of great exercises and things that you can do, which I think are wonderful. Other thing I'm learning. Okay. One of the things we tell parents in our Reclaim Compassion book and our group, and it'll be in our new curriculum is to really renew some things that you've done in your life that you enjoyed. So like reclaim old hobbies you used to have. So two things. One, I used to love to knit and I completely quit knitting probably, I mean, probably 20 years ago. And I loved it. I taught my kids how to knit, but I just, it just kind of went away when I just didn't have time. But my daughter, one of my daughters in particular is a really good knitter. I told her one day, you know, we always talk about how activities that are rhythmic, repetitive, and relational are regulating. You know, Dr. Bruce Perry taught us that. And I realized knitting is a regulating activity. It's very repetitive. It's very rhythmic. And, you know, generally or often she's with someone else when she's knitting, she's sitting by her husband or we're talking. And so I, for years, I've been saying, I need to get back into knitting. I need to get back into knitting. And so finally I said to my daughter, I said, okay, let's go to the yarn store. I want to pick out a simple pattern, but something that I'll enjoy that won't be super taxing, but that also be rewarding. So I found a simple sweater pattern. I've never knit a sweater for myself. I've knit them for other people, but never for myself. And I found some yarn. I splurged on a really nice set of needles that you can put on different cables. And so you can make them different lengths, all these different things. I said, I'm going to do it. So I started knitting this sweater and it is such a delight. Now, once it gets too hot, I won't want to work on it because who wants to use wool when you're really, really hot, but I'm getting ready to put the sleeves on. So that's, I'm kind of relearning a lot of things that I used to know. I didn't have YouTube back then. I had books and I had to look at diagrams and I really learn well by watching other people. I mean, Melissa, you know this, I'm always saying, okay, show me how to do it. And then I'll remember. And so when it involves technology, especially. So anyhow, having both my daughter and YouTube is like, oh, all I have to do is look up how to do this particular kind of stitch and I can do it. So that is a really delightful thing that I'm kind of relearning. And then the other thing I'm learning that I'm going to do more this summer is our friends got us into playing pickleball. So, and I know it's like this super hot popular thing, but we only got to play a couple times last fall before the weather turned. I bought paddles and Russ and I are going to, we're working on putting more joy in our lives, more time outdoors, although Russ gets tons of time outdoors, but more for me, having fun together, which fun does not really come naturally to me. I'm a little goal oriented. So yeah, pickleball, pickleball and knitting. There's my combo. Oh, yeah. We haven't, pickleball is really big around here too, but we've, mm-hmm. we've not gone down the pickleball rabbit hole we've been in the cornhole You're rabbit the cornhole hole one, yeah. yeah instead and then mia and i are firmly down the lindy hop rabbit hole as well yes yes so well i'll let you know how the pickleball rabbit hole goes there's yeah. actually an elementary school that's very close to the university well it's almost on campus and they put in a some pickleball courts adjacent to the university the elementary school and a park so it's like just steps away from where russ works so 
I was thinking, haven't, haven't told Russ this yet, have to listen to the podcast, <laughs> but that maybe early in the morning, even just once a week, we'd, I'd go with him when he leaves for work and we'd play pickleball together. Then I'd come home and do my work and he'd go to his office. So we'll see. I will, I will give you an update on our Does he? Can he progress. shower at the like gym at the university? Yeah, yeah he could. Yep. That's yeah. when Although I don't know if we're good enough to get <laughs> really good enough to get sweaty. sweat yet because <laughs> except for chasing the ball that I miss all the time, that probably will be the thing that'll be yeah. the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Whenever Patrick has a office where he can shower at, he's always better at working out because he can go to the gym like on the way or yes. he used to bike to work, which was for That's the true. commute he had was actually pretty impressive, but he'd have to be able to shower when he got to work. Well, friends, I hope that our conversation about these just reflection questions, you know, sit down with a friend or with your spouse or somebody and, and do some of these reflections together. It's really quite fun because you never know where your brain is going to go. We did not plan any of our responses at all, which you can probably tell. You know, it's, it's good to pause and reflect. That's been an emphasis by both of our spiritual directors. We have different spiritual directors. You know, sometimes we think about reflecting. We think, oh, we have to write it down in a journal, but really sit down with a friend with something to drink and talk about what you discover in the first half of the year. What's on your mind right now? And what's one thing you want to learn this summer? You might be surprised at even what you say, but especially what the other person might say as well. Just take time to listen to each other. Yeah, we love that. And we'd love to hear your responses to any of the questions. What did you discover in the first half of this year? Share something that's on your mind right now, or what is one thing you would like to learn this summer? You can always hop into our free Facebook group at theadoptionconnection.com slash Facebook and share with our community over there as well. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you probably more than you even know. You you all keep us podcasting because knowing someone's out there listening, it just inspires us to keep going. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. Our new Instagram handle is at Post Adoption Resources. Or better yet, join our free Facebook community at theadoptionconnection.com slash Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. And remember, you're a good parent doing good work. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.